Bit of cold jelly coming up. There we go. <laughs> Please, Monroe. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Calling Monroe. Gucci, how are you? Ugh. Okay, never mind. How great is our theme song? How great is it? I like it. It's the first time I've heard it in like two weeks now, and it put a it put a spring in my step, it put joy in my heart, it put food on my plate, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah, should we uh, should we do as the theme song says and just call Monroe? Yes. I haven't spoken to him in a million years. <laughs> All right, let's uh, call Monroe. What's up, folks? Hey, hey, Monroe, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know what I would like to You're listen to? You're doing well. You're doing well. I would like to listen to the 21st top improv podcast in Hong Kong. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. That's us, baby. Yeah, it Bro. is. We're yeah, also number one in Iceland. Number nice one. Where number numero uno in Iceland? In what? <laughs> Improv <laughs> comedy podcast. Oh, nice on Apple. Yeah. Oh, cool. Numero uno, motherfuckers. I, so yeah, we are world famous. I have a good advice. Okay. Don't drink two bottles of red wine in the evening. Uh, okay, not over the course of your life. No, not just. In one evening. Don't did you do that? I did. On your own? No. Okay, alcohol. so how much did you drink? I drank probably a whole bottle. Okay. And a beer. So would you say that your advice is more don't drink one bottle of red wine in an evening? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'd say that's, many... I'd say that's bad advice. I think drinking one yeah. bottle of red wine in an evening is fine. But yeah, how was, many kilos are you and how many kilos are you, the two of you? I am like just around 60. And the one who was drinking with me, I, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be off. I don't know. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Some, let's some, just go low. Yeah, let's go low. Go low. That's always a safe bet. 60? 60 kilos Sit, too? No. <laughs> No, no, no. That, go lower. Go yeah, lower. go lower. Yeah, lower at forty. Yeah, forty like kilos. That. Yeah, yeah. That's maybe a bit too say, low, but yeah. Say twenty-five, and then you're, you're <laughs> twenty-five. Twenty-five. How many kilos are you, Monroe? I'm you're uh, on track, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Uh, well, I'm off track because I got new scales that bumped me up. Hmm. But I'm on track in terms of real real weight. Uh, so I'm seventy-eight, baby. Fair yes. enough. You are heavier than I am. Uh, that's despite losing four kilos. <laughs> Yeah, what can I say? I'm uh, I'm well put together. Good jeans. Nice. I'm yeah. not wearing jeans though. I'm wearing running pants. <laughs> One bottle of red wine's fine for me, for example. I've done that plenty of times. I would say. I at least do not feel good now. At least. Fair okay. enough. Okay. So mm. yesterday, I I met with a friend, mm. and we were going to cook. Yeah. And we decided to cook the whole day. It's like mm. so. We started at five o'clock. And the f food wasn't ready until midnight. Oh. And I paid a lot of money. It was like a uh, uh, beef ribs. Hmm. It costed like 50 quid, if that would. Yeah, 10,000. Yeah, 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 around yeah, that. That's a good amount. And it was hmm. like one and a half kilo of it. Hmm. And it was bad. Wait a minute, <laughs> it was not good. Oh, uh, that sucks. It was a lot of effort. Or something that but the good. real memories are the friends you made along the way, aren't they? That's what matters. I didn't make any friends on the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You were just cooking. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, that sucks for you, I guess. Yeah. My, we, uh, Ole, who's been a podcast guest a couple of times, he came over to my parents' house once when I was there, uh, and they were making dinner, and he was like, I don't think he was like invited for dinner. It was more like he was there and they were like, oh, why don't you eat with us? But they were cooking properly. So it was functionally a, like a dinner invite. 
Mm. Uh, and it went so wrong. My parents are quite, uh, they like their cooking and my mom's a good cook. Yeah, I've had some of your mom's food before and it's delicious. Exactly. So they put some effort into their cooking. And this time, literally everything went wrong. And it went so wrong that my mom got up and went to sleep. She she, like, she just, what do you mean? She just went to bed. She got up, like the food went so wrong and she disliked it so much that she got up and went upstairs and went to bed. (laughs) It was just like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Like my dad was barbecuing some meat and he's good at that. And this is the, like the first, the only time I've ever seen him not do it like a good job. It was, it just wasn't ready, the meat. So you had to like go out and cook it again. And my mom was making some sauce that was like real complicated or like quite fancy and nice. And she was she was planning on putting like a little bit of sugar into it, just like a tiny bit to like, you know, something. And the lid of the sugar thing came off. So she dumped like 300 grams of sugar into the <laughs> sauce and tried to like scoop it out. And it was just like inedible. It was like a dessert red wine sauce. It was horrible. <laughs> and it was just everything went wrong. Cool story, bro. Fuck you. Fuck you. I've got a funny story. If we're uh, just tell it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's from a while back, but I don't think I've I've told it on the on the podcast. But um, mm. basically, we have teaching uh, which can't be done in person at the hospital, and uh, you just log in online. So I just log in on my phone, and then you get your attendance registered. Mm-hmm. But when I logged in, I so I logged in, but then I had to go and see a patient. So we've got uh, everyone who's a, a doctor the same grade as me. So that's about thirty people, and then and then a couple of people delivering the teaching session on on this uh, uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. And then I accidentally switch my mic on, and then I stick my phone in my pocket, and then I go and see this patient. And what I was away to do to this patient was I needed to give them a rectal exam. Oh. But this patient, this patient was also deaf. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I'm shouting at the top of my voice as I go and see this patient, and everything is heard on the teaching session. Poor person trying to deliver a teaching session of just me being like, okay. "I just need you to bend over now. That's it. Just on your side. That's great. Okay, I'm just gonna have a look first. Don't worry. And then a bit of cold jelly coming up. There we go." <laughs> And this is can't just getting they, can't blurted they out. You? And then eventually some great person managed to switch my mic off for me. And I was totally mm. oblivious to this until like two hours later, I looked at my phone and was like, oh shit. Uh, you idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, well people done. knew what was happening. Yeah. I think yeah. they... I mean, they, people they, could have figured out. Yeah. You wouldn't be screaming like that doing something. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, maybe it was role play. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Ugh. Speaking of role play, we have uh, we have some feedback from our last couple of episodes. I think. Oh yeah. We recorded them kind of back to back, so we it's been ages since we talked. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I feel like we all realized this soon after our episode that we were idiots. The bathroom men are clearly there for security. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a mate sending me such a a message where he's just like you're. Fucking idiot was essentially the the crux of what he was getting at. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, clearly they're there for security, so fine, whatever. Uh, number two, two people have attempted the peeing experiment. Okay, nice, great. Uh, and I'm gonna read out a message. For, I'm mm. gonna start with someone you respect. Mm. Okay, just so that you won't be a dickhead. And that's Krister. Uh, Nice. Okay. Great. You're a walking buddy. Yeah. You're yeah. walking buddy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same guy who gave me gave me some feedback saying I was an idiot for not working out why the guys were in the toilet. Yeah, so he's a smart man. He says, tried to piss with a large and then in brackets he says average. Throbbing boner. He said boner. You guess he was trying to write boner, mm-hmm. but it's capitalized B-O-N-N-E-R. And it just wasn't happening. Semi, no problem. But big throbbing bastard just ain't happening. No way. Uh, no way. way. Did he actually need to pee? Yeah, he did. Uh, and I will confirm that I performed the exact same experiment. And it feels exactly like you can pee and you're about to pee, but it just won't happen until there is a slight sort of release of the physiological pressure, if you will. And then it becomes possible. So I, there's two of us now that found the same results. It isn't possible 
And actually, if you guys actually, no, are Ragnar, still going to claim it's it, possible... It must be just anatomically different. No. Yeah, between men. It, why not? Because this makes... Like, this is precisely the point that I was making last time, uh, which is something that has a scientific basis to it. I mean, if the urethra is a little bit less Fine, I will, narrow, I will concede that there are men in this world... Who can do it? But as but a general I rule, I claim that they are in a minority, and in a, as a general rule, with a as he calls it, a, a big throbbing bastard, it's not possible. Interesting, because it's it's physically blocked. I'm, so I tried googling this and it came up with an article which starts with peeing with an erection isn't up there with squeezing a human out of you, but that doesn't mean it's a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I would say it's. Some might say it's harder because it's impossible. The other one is possible. It just hurts like a bitch. This one just, Mother Nature just won't let it occur. Hmm, interesting. Right? That's a that's a, a thing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was definitely more to be said, but I have forgotten. So what have you boys been up to? Uh, I'm working on getting some of my ash cash checked in. The hell is that? Oh, this have I not spoken about this before? I don't think so. Oh, no. So it's it's rather morbidly named. Basically... Uh, you have. Have I, I go on? If I yeah, so if I fill out a crematorium form, then I get eighty pounds and a check that just turns up every so often from the hospital as as a little bonus. But uh, why? Well, I, I think I, I so. I, I think what it why. is is that I think the crematorium forms are not are filled out on for the for the crematorium, not for the hospital. So the crematorium have to pay us. But why that money comes to me directly and doesn't just get absorbed into the hospital budget, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, surely it's, it's good that it goes to Oh, you. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm happy with it. But it's, yeah, morbidly referred to as ash cash. Fair. Um, I guess it's just uh, like contracting work that you're doing. Yeah, essentially. But, Basically. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to get that all squared away. Little, but surely little. everyone is fighting each other to try to get these forms to sign. Well, not really, because you can only sign them if you've seen the patient. Uh, like They normally just try and get the person who was mainly taking out, taking care of the patient when they were alive. Mm. Um, and then also... So you would want them dead. Well, <laughs> is that what's really quite morbid about it, though, is that the person's name is written on the back of the check as well. Oh, so so no. when you're at the pub, you can, you can have a drink to them. Oh, oh God, a little... Message from the grave. Yeah. Nice. Very good. This is a business opportunity here in... So this is debatably ethical. Let's debate it in a second. So what Guyon said is that you want your patients to die. That's a little much for me personally. Uh, but what you can do instead is choose or like try to get more patients that are going to die regardless of what you do. Yeah, I mean, basically right. what yeah. you want hopeless what you cases. want is a respiratory job in winter. Yeah, exactly. You want the ones that like you go to the family and you can liter you can like legitimately cry a tear and be like I'm so sorry. I tried everything I can and also cash your 80 pound check. Yeah. So so yeah. it's best to become like a cancer like oncologist. Yeah. Well, so the money the, it, because it's the juniors that do this work, the consultants don't see any of this. Um, so there's oh. a brief window of so there's a brief window of time because even even the slightly senior folk don't really do this very much. It's a job that really falls to the the junior juniors. So there's mm. a, just a brief window of time where this is uh, affects you. What if you do one of these angel of death type scenarios and you kill a lot of people that you're seeing, but in a way that sort of hopefully isn't traced back to you something that you can blame on another aspect of the hospital <laughs> what about you that know what i mean yeah so as, you as kill, a money-making scheme you kill your patients now while you can yeah and cash those checks yeah i mean i'm i'm not no i'm not comfortable with that idea i don't think i think um you're not uncomfortable with it <laughs> is that what you said uh, i said i'm not not comfortable with it there's something something oh. about that i'm not sure what it is but there's just something about that that doesn't sit sit right with me Oh, you know, fair enough. I mean, fair, fair enough. It's worth considering. Yeah, I'll think about it tonight and mull it over and see. Nice, very good, very good. I oh, I f I realized what I had uh, to say as well. So I last week I had a course, yeah. uh, and it was called patenting and intellectual property law or something for biotech. 
Uh, you're not going to be yawning in a second. You're not <laughs> okay. Be yawning okay. In a second. So I, uh, we had a bunch of lectures. One of them was pretty chill. So I decided to dip my big toe in that water. And I asked him, I said, we were talking about patenting genes. Uh, and I said to him, I brought up specifically the Brad Pitt example. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I asked him because they're talking about, so for patenting, you need a couple of things. You need novelty, which you need to demonstrate in some way. Uh, you need the inventive step, which is like, a, there needs to be some aspect of like human creation in it, mm -hmm. uh, which makes it different from something, a non-obvious, whatever, blah, blah. And then you need, uh, it needs to be industrially applicable. Okay. And I said to him, I said, okay, fine. Uh, and there, yeah, so there, there are examples of people having uh, found a, a genetic sequence and that doesn't count as discovery for some reason. So if it's like non-obvious that a certain mutation or something would have a specific effect, then you can somehow patent that. So this gene patenting thing is actually more complicated than our initial 10-second Google search okay. uh, told us. But okay, given that, so I, I said, what if you took Brad Pitt's DNA and you isolated it? Can you patent that because it's, it's non-obvious that his set of mutations within the human genome would create uh, precisely a Brad Pitt. And it's clearly industrially applicable because Brad Pitt is a <laughs> moneymaker. We established that. Yeah, for various reasons. It, like, not only, just having Brad Pitt is clearly industrially applicable. You can whore him out as a movie star, mm, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, it took him a little while, but he said that he thinks that it's probably doable. Interesting. But the only sort of thing is the... the the non-patentability of human stuff might be the biggest, like that's a hurdle that you can sometimes overcome, sometimes not. A lot of it relates to like stem cells, mm. uh, like uh, fetal stem cells rather than adult stem cells. So he said that might be the tricky part, but it's definitely not impossible to patent Brad Pitt's DNA out from under him. Does that mean, but, but then because... Like, I'm not famous, and and there's no, so there's no, and then there's nothing really that people would want from my DNA that's obviously industrial or profitable or anything. So does that mean that you, but for that reason, you couldn't patent my DNA? I mean, you would have to make the argument. I mean, is calling Monroe not an industrial application? Who knows? <laughs> you're also, I mean, you're a doctor. That's in that's applicable. You know, you're useful as a, a medical professional. A yeah, medical but you tool, couldn't. You like that's not because of my genetics. Isn't it? Well, it is, but <laughs> in such a small part of it, I don't feel like, you know, you could make six of me and I'd end up with six different lives, but I suppose you could say the same about Brad Pitt. Mm. Yeah, tricky. Yeah, I don't know. Basically, the end, the final verdict is we don't really know, yes. but I figured I'd throw this out there. I feel like Guillaume finds this 0% interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It I just don't, I, I, the whole conversation about eating Brad Pitt has just been like, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> but it's the best idea. <laughs> it is the best, single best idea ever. <laughs> Fine, what do you want to talk about, Guillaume? You sent us some links, Guillaume. You sent us the yeah. BMJ article. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, you're putting me on, in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I found this funny study. I mean, it's it's fair to say it's crap, but... Mm -hmm. It was a funny, it was funny. That's what So it, it's like based on the idea that apparently some some male idiot theory, it, it's about that. It is to show that men are more stupid. In what way? So what they used, they, they took data from Darwin Awards. Mm, we've talked about them before, haven't we? Yeah. 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 So like, remind, remind the folks at home. It's like a reward for people that have removed their genome from the gene pool yeah in, in like a fantastic a way yeah in a fantastic way basically dying for a stupid reason mm. these are the these freak deaths basically what is what is it called yeah and they took the data from there over 20 year period and they checked after like con uh, what's it called correcting for certain factors mm. then they were gonna see if the sex if it was ma male men were more likely to die from these events yeah. Or like have died this way. And they found like like majority of the cases are men mm -hmm. that have died from these. And it is like statistically significant that men are more likely to die in this than f women, females. Right. So I 
contest. So I don't, I don't think they're studying stupidity at all. They're basically just, it's just risk taking, right? That's yeah, yeah, been they demonstrated say that a hundred million times. But the Men. thing is, they say the study has limitations. One of the weaknesses is the retrospective nature of the other collection. One alternative explanation for the marked sex differences in downward winners is that there is some kind of selection bias. Women may be more likely to nominate men for Darwin Awards, and there may be some selection bias within the Darwin Award committee. In addition, there may be some kind of reporting bias. Idiotic male candidates can be more newsworthy than idiotic female Darwin Award candidates. So, I mean, that's also true, maybe. So they're basically saying <laughs> this is, I mean, there are many, if you only look at deaths reported by Darwin Awards, it's it's a it's a right study done the right way for data that is not reliable, basically. Yeah, but even if even if the data were reliable, I think you're just picking up risk taking behavior rather than stupidity, right? And that is that is no. an established thing, isn't it? The yeah, they're yeah, saying yeah, yeah, that yeah, that, that is a that is a stupidity according to them. The sex differences in risk seeking behavior, emergency hospital admissions and mortality are well documented. So they're like, okay, they are, so they're saying that t- risk taking is being stupid. Yeah, I think that's a little, a little. However, much, little it? is known about sex differences in idiotic risk take behavior. I mean, they're just it. It is a it's a joke. This study is a joke. Oh, well, obviously, it's very yeah. it's a very uh, it's very subjective interpretation of things, though, right? Yeah, they, they I mean, say is it, it stupid it's an to, idiotic risk. If you die from it in a stupid way. It is something you shouldn't have risked. Risked. Yeah, I mean, but that's subjective, right? So let's say you die making some elaborate, there's some elaborate contraption that is supposed to like propel beer across a canyon and into your mouth, Yeah. right? That's awesome. <laughs> but let's say it makes you fall into the canyon. Like, it's stupid, sure, but like, you know, your heart was in the right place, I feel. <laughs> there was like one guy that actually di- died. He was trying to rob his own... Uh, workplace. Amazing. It was nice. like some some franchise, like some fast food franchise. So there's and a great line in the article. According to male idiot theory, many of the differences in risk-seeking behavior, emerging department admissions and mortality may be explained by the observation that men are idiots and idiots do stupid things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Eh, I don't know. I I think it's poor science. So at least I, I remember this one Darren Ward where he was gonna rob his own workplace, and he decided to take his clothes off and and jump through the ventilation system. Hmm. So the day after they came to work, and then they see him hanging there with his legs down, <laughs> naked, and that's the only thing they see when they come to work. Oh my god! And then they find out that he was planning to rob the place. <laughs> his his best idea was to jump through the ventilation system. But he oh, already worked dear. there. <laughs> Surely yeah. he could just walk in. Yeah, exactly. That, this is an example of it's a stupid mm-hmm. risk to jump through that. Yeah, I mean, fair. But his, again, his heart was in the right place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> robbing, robbing his workplace, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I agree with, with that. I hope I have yeah. you defending me when I die in some stupid way, Ragnar. You know what? His heart was in the right place. I will be defending you. You are absolutely going to die in a stupid way because look <laughs> at the shit you've done so far. I think I think one of the most stupid things when I would just I there was a lake and I was told there's a crocodile because there were crocodiles in it and so I quickly swam in it just to get a picture so I could say I'd swam in a lake with crocodiles in it and that was just that just wasn't sensible. That's dumb. Yeah, that's yeah. real dumb. Yeah, that's something that I feel something... like I wouldn't do now. Looking back, are you sure? I like to think so. I'm not so sure. Yeah. But there is something to it. Like whenever there's like a an obviously dangerous thing you shouldn't do. Like you're at a, a cliff, for example, and there's like a, like there was one of these in Iceland. And then there was like a sign that said, don't go to the edge of the cliff. And then there's like a very, very small fence, if you will, that are basically just these wooden poles with string between them. Mm. And it's maybe like, you know, 10 centimeters tall. And it's just like as a visual guide, like don't do this shit. Yeah. But like, of course, I'm going to step over onto the other side just to like do that <laughs> and then come back. Like, obviously. Not everyone. No, but like there is something. Ragnar would do that. Ragnar would do that. Yeah. And I do do that. Yeah. And it's like if you were standing in the Louvre or whatever and you knew that you knew that there wasn't some insane security mechanism that would go off, you would touch the Mona Lisa. No. Yeah. Yeah, you would, I, wouldn't you? Ragnar, Ragnar, <laughs> I can't lift the hand that high. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can lean your head on it. Yeah, I doesn't your do chair raise up? Can't you just sort of like yeah, yeah, I could rub put my, yourself on it. My forehead. They they have that exact <laughs> experiment in. Well, they they at least had it years ago when I went to the uh, National Science Museum in London. They just had this pole and it just had loads of signs around it all saying do not touch. And then there was just a red button in it. Obviously, everyone touched it. Can't remember what happened. Of course. Of course. It's the best way to get someone to touch something, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's the trick that you're missing on nights out, is it? They, they, they made this joke in Family Guy once, like in an airplane, and it says, like, do not open in flight hmm. the door in the airplane. Yeah. And he does that. Good story, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck I you. I realized it when I started. <laughs> I mean, you just, you notice these things, all right? Like, there were these two d- super fucking badass dudes in the supermarket the other day, and they weren't wearing masks. Yeah. And they clearly just weren't wearing masks because they were supposed to be. And then yeah. some old man uh, told them to wear a mask, and they, like, started on him. Oh, really? Good story. In a fucking supermarket on a Tuesday night, yeah, hardcore dudes. Uh, but, like... I don't know if it just there's going to be people that just like if you're not allowed to do something you just do it right like you would you would kiss the pope or some <laughs> stupid shit right like just I, because you just not to switch to. the lights on so I'll be back in two seconds how does it feel having lights I just moved apartments and uh, I don't really have any lights do you have light I have some like lamps and stuff but I don't there's no ceiling lights For the light itself uh, the light of Jesus Christ shines upon you. Absolutely. Did you hear the question that I was asking while you were away? No. I said, what's it like having lights? I feel like Gwydion right now. I don't have lights because I just moved. So how does it feel to have lights? Lights are pretty Lights are pretty good. It was just dark and now it's not dark. You know. Yeah, you are a master of nature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting here in my brand new studio uh, and I'm having to use one of those sad lamp wake-up alarms. You know them? Yeah. Sad lamp wake up alarms. Like, you know those sad lamps. Gradually, gradually oh brighter. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to get one of those, but then I realized that it's not very jewel sleeping friendly. Depends on whether you care about waking up your significant other. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I often just, find that it's just, best to not be an asshole when it comes to living with a partner. You should just. You should. It would. It's normal that she follows your routine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's just normal. So this is a thing, though. Right? I've been in this situation before where I've had to be the male in that scenario. And for some reason, the person who wants to have this alarm thing that turns on, uh, just it seems to be that society dictates that they are correct in doing so, and you are the asshole for not allowing it. What, whoever so wants have, to have their light, the light on? Yeah, like, well, whoever no. wants to wake up earlier with some stupid-ass fucking alarm thing. I disagree. Like, you're not... the bad guy for telling them to not do that shit. No, you're the bad guy for doing that. Good, I agree with you, but I'm talking about society, man. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like society's unfairly biased towards morning people. Why? Because it clearly is. Morning is better. No, 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 no. Yeah, we've spoken about this before, and you are right. Like, if you if you work from sort of twelve in the in the in like the morning in the afternoons when you get up, and then, but then you go to bed at at uh, three in the morning, then you're still looked at as a slob. Yeah, even if yeah, you get if you, done because you are. No, what, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> if the workday yes. starts at nine, I'm then right. it's equally. I'm right. If the work if the workday starts at nine officially, then it's equally bad to show up at six a.m. as it is to show up at twelve twelve noon. Yes, but that's not the way society sees it. Yes. So fuck society, chaotic neutral. I mean, bitches. you should just you should just work eight to four or nine to five. No, that's the best. Because then I hate life. The best why do I have Why do I have to go through life hating it? Why can't I just wait work from ten thirty? The one that is paying you, he decides when you work. <laughs> that's not cool. No, then you just don't work there. But that's not cool either. I mean, you can just you should you just should work in a night shift if you if you want. But I already work a job that's not acutely time sensitive. I mean, I don't have to answer phones. I don't have to stock still shelves. Maybe the, I mean, the one who controls the company, he decides kind of when you work. Not really. Well, I mean, yes, really, but like, should they? This is the the eternal argument, right? Should we socialize it the is, workplace? It is annoying when people aren't around when you need them to be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's, it, it makes it sense works everyone to be there at the same time. That makes sense because that then everyone 
it's more efficient. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. It doesn't make sense for people to like literally work whenever. No, I mean but, if if everyone at your workplace starts work with an open working hours, everyone comes at nine and works to five, and then one comes at noon and works to eight, and one comes at six and works till to midnight. Two. Yeah, I mean if if we work comes at six when everyone have left and works. No, but two. six in the morning. What you show up six in the morning. You leave at two in the afternoon, and then you're not there from two till five, which really are the most productive hours. Who comes to work at six? Loads of people. It's a thing. Mm. Virgins. Hey, um, there was another interesting thing you found as well, Guthion, which I actually saw later in the news about Muslims not being able to go to university. Yeah. What? What? Uh, you read it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just made. The... Yeah. So basically, basically, it was about the fact that. Um, for some people, how they interpret Islam is that you can't take out a loan where you pay interest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. U- usury, it's like against... Oh, usury, right, right, right. Yeah. And so then if you're trying to go to university yeah. and your parents can't just fork up all the money uh, up front, then you basically can't go to university. But you can take a, a loan, like an the, interest-free loan. The idea you can, but is- then... The government doesn't give you interest-free loans. Like you get un- you get interest loans but, but for going the, to uni, the, but you don't get those. I don't think it's illegal to take a loan that has interest on it. You're just not allowed to give a, a loan with yeah. interest on it. So, yeah. in a way, you wouldn't be really breaking anything by taking a loan. I don't know because no, the, the the video I watched, there were some people in the video who were affected by this, saying that they couldn't go i mean it's religion so there's you know there's going to be people who interpret it all always so there are these people who interpret it away in, in such that they say they feel they can't go to university because they can't take out a student loan because it would require them to pay interest there are institutions uh, that provide lo- like interest-free loans uh, specifically to religious groups yeah. that feel like this but a lot of the time the the interest is like baked into a different thing so it's yeah. like you pay a a fee up front, which isn't yeah. interest, but like it covers or something, something. It kind of seems like it's following the letter of the law, but not really the spirit of the law, you know? It's just I, I taking say, religion and like, yeah. loop, hole, loop, hole. The thing is, <laughs> yeah. what they t- t- seem to do, it like what is common, this is told also in in Judaism, also. Is it? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. In Judaism, it's the same thing. But there you're not, you're allowed to have interest on loans to foreigners. To Gentiles. Yeah. So that this is ba- basically a big uh, factor in this like stereotype of like Jews and money thing because they used to be allowed to lend to non-Jews. But according to this article that I showed you, there he said it's historical. The thing is, in Egypt, they were actually doing this to the Jewish society. Hmm. They were doing. Have loan the loans they gave to them were of extreme interest, so therefore they said, wrote in the Torah that this is illegal. You can't do this. That was protecting them, and then they said it's allowed to be inter- high interest on foreigners. That was just an attack. Yeah, because everyone were like that to them, oh, and they said it, they just wrote it down. That they were the first one to write it down. That's why people are blaming them for it. Why the historically. It was a thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's also that they like they became in a lot of uh, civilizations later, like the sort of lone individuals as like a result of all this. But I, I am inclined to agree with this concept and think it should be a thing again that you can't charge extortionate interest rates on things. But what I they do instead, what they found out, like I don't remember what it's called, is that if I take a company loan to make a company new company, then I I don't get interest. The bank loans me. I do not pay interest, but I pay them part of the, uh, what's it called? Arbit, profits. Uh, profits. Uh, so you pay part of, of the profits instead. Yeah. And that's what the mo- ba- bank gets. It's like a bank, one bank in Israel that does this and four or five in Saudi Arabia. So like essentially they get a share in your company. Yeah, they get share in your So company. they're just investing in your company basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's also that. Mm, I just think that I was actually reading about something that's quite tangentially, not even tangentially, it's quite related to this. Uh, it's about banking specifically, and it's about loans. 
and did you guys know that when you take a loan, for example, to buy a, a house or an apartment, mm. then the money that the bank gives you did not necessarily exist before you got your loan. No way. <laughs> they, yeah. So what they do is they give you a loan mm. and essentially create the money out of nothing because they have the right to do this uh, and give you that money as a loan and then you pay it back and the interest they keep and the money that they created gets destroyed again. What? So this is interesting because I, I did wonder why banks ever gave out mortgages because the interest that you get charged on a mortgage is pretty low, especially at the moment. Mm. Um, whereas the interest that you can make uh, when you invest is is still reasonable. So I didn't know why banks ever, why would anyone ever lend out money as a mortgage when you're getting like like one and a half percent back when you can get triple that if you invest in the stock market. But this explains it. Yeah, I don't know. There's a whole system that they're propping up. But yeah, I, so the, it's fucked though for a number of reasons really. And I'm not a fan of it. And there's like a there's a movement to well, there are people who have identified this as a problem and want to abolish this. It's called uh, why is it a problem? Google, uh, hold on, it's called fractional reserve banking. God, I'm smart. Uh, is a system in which a fraction of bank deposits are backed by actual cash on hand and available for withdrawal. Yeah, so it basically sort of ends up in this uh, sort of way. The the bank basically doesn't have anywhere near the amount of money that they are sort of uh, circulating, mm. which is the reason for things like in in two thousand and eight, mm. the 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 big what do they call it now? The Great Recession. Uh, there was a run on the bank where people go to the they don't sort of have any faith in the banking system anymore. So they go to the bank to withdraw their money and the bank doesn't have the money mm. because they just yeah, simply yeah. don't have anywhere near the amount of cash that they claim to have because it's like it's this very convoluted system. Uh, and there's a, a schematic here that describes a thing quite well. So they can get basically a deposit of a hundred units of cash uh, and then they can loan that out multiple times in multiple ways. Mm. So they have essentially 100 units of money. And in three steps, they've actually loaned 171 units of money. No way. So they don't have anywhere near that. And this is a, a thing. Uh, and yeah, the uh, in a lot of countries, it works like this, where money is created through mortgages. And basically all money that exists, if you trace it back, it goes back to somebody taking a loan from the bank to do something. Interesting. Yeah. And it it's also bad because what, what you've done basically is you've created a, a very small subset of essentially private individuals in the the country because most of the banks are private nowadays anyway mm -hmm. who can decide who uh, what who money can and can't be created for mm. and is this this goes back to America when there were certain areas that couldn't get mortgages if you lived in that area and they just happened to be areas where yeah. predominantly black people lived. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not, I don't really know. But it's yeah, also, think... there used to be like a gold, gold standard for currency, right? Where all money was backed by gold. Mm, uh, yeah. And basically what they would do a lot of the time was literally ship large amounts of gold between countries because, you know, money travels between countries and then if mm. all it had to be backed by gold. So you, there would literally be like money, tra like gold traveling across the globe to correct these sorts of things. This was then gotten rid of. So that basically it isn't backed by gold anymore. It's not really backed by anything anymore. It's just like it's become way more of a fictional concept or like an abstract concept than it used to be. Mm -hmm. Money used to actually have a basis in reality and now it's just, it's just become like numbers of debt. Well, there's an interesting way of explaining money that, um, Tim Harford did, and he was talking about, uh, you know, initially people would trade in goods, so you would give someone something, but then if sometimes if you didn't have a good trade with them, then you could basically give them an IOU. But then if you wanted, if you got that IOU from someone, you could then give that IOU to someone else, and that person would then have an IOU for them. And then eventually out of that kind of money developed. And so uh, all money is basically just someone saying, I want this off you. I don't have a good swap for you. Here is something which you will be able to get from someone else later. It's all just IOUs. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the concept of money, right? It, yeah. It's basically you're handing someone a piece of paper. Let's say you hand them a 
a pound, or I guess there isn't a, a paper pound, you hand them a 10 pound note, then basically you're just saying like, I owe you 10 pounds worth of generic goods. Uh, and this is redeemable, but it's just, it's also happens to be redeemable with everyone in the entire country because everyone's opted into the same system. Mm. So this like 10 pound IOU that you're giving them, they can just redeem it with anyone else. Yeah. And it's just like circulating debt. I mean, that that is like the, the explain like I'm five concept of money, but there's then if, it's, called- if it is just circulating debt, then when you think about it like that, I don't feel like it, so to me, then it, it feels like, okay, I can see why it doesn't need to be backed by something if you think about it in that ter- sort of terms. Yeah, I guess. But it, things become complicated, man. It, economics has very much spiraled into a complicated concept. And there's this thing called modern <laughs> monetary theory, which I don't have enough of a grasp on. So I kind of want Livia to come on to the podcast because she knows yeah. all this bullshit. It's so funny. It's, I've understood that these, these are all just like theories and stuff but not reality. Yeah, I what... will go on record, and I have gone on record to say that economics is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it we is. We need it... Livia on. We need Livia. Yeah, we do, but it, it is. It, it like... may be fine as a historical thing, but... Yeah, it's fine as a if you take like retrospective analyses of events that have occurred, mm. I will I'll grant that that's not bullshit. But this, like the prospective stuff and these formulas and all that, all these concepts are bullshit because... That just on a fundamental level, they're wrong. The assumptions they make are incorrect. <laughs> they're obviously incorrect. The, like the main assumption is that people are rational actors and will choose like the most rational option and are fully informed in order to do this. And that basic principle is incorrect. I feel like if you spoke to any economist, they wouldn't describe people like that. That's but that's not. But that's the basic assumption of that's like the the fundamental assumption of economic analysis is that. You are a rational actor, not rational, but you, predict, predictable. No, I think it, is more fair way have, of saying yeah, it because people no, are ra- people are predictable, even if they're not rational. They aren't predictable on an individual level. They're predictable no, uh, in terms of societal trends, but they're not accurately predictable. There's still randomness within it, and you can't predict exactly the effects of something. You yeah, can't but you could say, say that about like, the price all of, of a sudden. By, you know, that's the same as when when like I can't predict the exact outcome of a treatment for a patient but i can say that in general you, this treatment will be beneficial to most people and yeah well, i mean the that's same just idea. because you're lacking you're lacking information that you can sort of relatively speaking you can quite easily get that information you just need better technology and more money but with human beings the amount of variables that go into it make it almost impossible to predict i'm going to claim ever Because it's just, there are so many variables that you get into chaos theory levels of events where like an approximation of the current state will not in any way predict the future state. You, you stick an apple or you stick a mar and a Mars bar in front of someone, and they're more likely to to eat the Mars bar. Like that's a predictable behavior. That, uh, that I mean, they're it, that's so dependent on so many variables. No, it's no across. If you if you did that across a hundred people, the majority of people would pick the Mars bar. That's just that that is a predictable depends, outcome. But it depends on your sampling. If you're taking a bunch of people at a yoga retreat, it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if you chair but I'm just like pick random sampling, then you're like not niche exercise retreats where people are trying to change their patterns. If you just take random sample, then that is a predictable and there are lots of like examples of that that you can do where you can predict certain behaviors of people. You can say that and then and then you can say that, okay, so like I've changed the location of ice cream in the supermarket so that it's now on the bottom shelf and I've put uh, like ice lollies higher up and then you can measure if the ice cream sales go down and the ice lolly sales stay up because people are just a bit lazy and just will go for things at eye height and see if that makes a difference. And like there's predictions that you can make of, okay, of, yeah. of human behavior. Well, of course, of course, yeah, you can make predictions about human but behavior, but I'm saying within the context of like economics and economic theory, then the underlying assumptions are bullshit and the the strategies that are employed are not they're not evidence based and they have no predictive value i need livy on here because i'm not doing a good job of defending her there are things that are like real surprise that people have done do you understand so i mean even if it's true that they can predict certain behavior there is always going to become like some something that is going to the opposite of what you expected. Something is going to become popular that you never expected would become popular. 
I mean, it's just somewhere in between what you both are saying. I just, there's so many, just Certain look at the field not... of economic policy. And there are camps that are vehemently opposed to each other because they all want to like accomplish roughly the same things. And they think that totally different things will do it. And no one ever accomplishes it. Hmm. So like, but they, but they have, they've said that they know that by for, like, if, if, if they give people out speeding tickets and they say that you will get a 50% discount if you pay this early rather than saying you will get uh, okay, um, that's a, not really. That's still not. I'm talking stuff. But it is. Like, it's, it's you're ch- doing it. You're you're predicting their behavior is going to change based on what you do, and they know that that sort of stuff works because. Okay, on, well, on, answer answer me one question. Raising so let's say that currently the minimum wage in the United States is ten dollars. I don't know what it yeah. actually is, but let's say it's yeah. ten dollars. Yeah. What will raising it to twenty dollars do? Give me an answer to that. You can't. Nobody can because it's a huge debate, and nobody has any fucking idea because there is no science that will tell you what it actually does. No. There's yeah. no. Yeah, I agree like, with you there. That's but the problem. I don't think that means this economics is with itself economic is theory. flawed and fundamental to its core. It just means that's a very difficult question to answer. But I think it, it would no, but increase it, the quality of life of a lot of people. Yeah, but some people think it won't. Like the, And it's, no, this is what I'm talking about. The economic theory is a bullshit science because it can't even answer simple questions like this predictably. Well, that's, a com- that's not a, you know, it's a simple question to ask, but it's a complex question to answer. And that you can't, like, you're being it's, very, if, being if it's so a science, unfair, I just cherry no, picking a, random little bits that science, you know we can't this answer. This is such a simple and, like, base level thing. If it's, if it's truly a science like it claims to be, it needs to answer a question as basic as this. It's, this it's is the not most- simple though, because the the effect it would have would be would ve- so if you increase the minimum wage, but your job is relatively easy to um, to automate, then maybe the company will now say, okay, it's actually cheaper for us to automate your job than it is. Whereas for other people who got a job where they're being undervalued uh, in terms of the market rate, but they're difficult to automate. Then so maybe like cleaners or something they're they're difficult to automate that but then so then you might get see their cost of, their quality of living and stuff improve and there'll be that a billion other factors that will come into it based on different people. Well, that's jobs. what I'm saying. There's too many variables to even try to attempt to call this a science. It's not. It just isn't. Don't pretend that this field that you're talking about is numerically analyzable. It's not. What I have a skill of the week. Like a shitty psychology derivative. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> Give me the skill of the week. <laughs> um, how to find your blind spot. Something that we'll have all done. Oh, very point, good. Probably forgotten. So, Do you want to explain to everyone what the blind spot is? It's just where, so your optic nerve comes into the back of your eye. And in that place, there aren't any light receptors uh, mm-hmm. to actually create an image. So you've constantly got a spot in your eye where you can't see anything, but your mind just fills it in for you mm-hmm. with what it thinks should be there. So if you take, there, there are lots of different ways to find your blind spot. There's ways with a pencil that I can't remember where you can like flick the, uh, like the red, if you've got a pencil with just got a red top, so you can move mm-hmm. it into a certain way. But the way I, I was doing it was if you draw a cross on a piece of paper um, and then a small circle. So the cross can be like, I don't know, a centimeter or two centimeters. A circle can be a, se- a centered, uh, centimeter or two centimeters in size and make them so that they're about 10 centimeters apart on the page. Mm-hmm. Then you cover up your left eye mm-hmm. and you hold the paper at arm's length from you. And then you cut and then you focus just on the cross, not on the circle. Then bring the paper closer to you. And at some point, the circle should disappear. But you still won't be able to tell that it's a blind spot because your mind will have just filled in the gap with the white on the paper, even though it can't actually see anything there. Mm-hmm. And then if you just move the paper a little closer again, a little further away, the, the dot will appear. But why is this important thing to know? <laughs> does, I mean, it ma- previously- does, does it matter? No, no, but it's kind of cool to think that you've constantly yeah, so got why a spot is it on your... Skill? Why is it a skill? Because it's, it's still, you're still finding the blind spot. That's like, it is a, he's teaching a, a it, method. Yeah, it's... I just found my blind spot in using a different means because I've done this at like a science museum or something where they had a, there's like a red light, a small one. And then you had to basically track something else with your eye until you didn't see the red light. There's like a spot where it just disappears and you don't see it at the corner of your eye. Mm. Um, mm. 
And I do this because I have a little thing here on my desk that's like my vocal mic preamp, whatever, blah. And it has a couple lights on it. Uh, and if I, like, there's a green light, like, to the right. And I can sort of move my, like, look at stuff until the green light disappears. And turns out that's if, well, from where I'm sitting, I basically look directly at the yellow light on the opposite side of the thing. Interesting. Mm. Right there. Now I'm blind. <laughs> now I'm blind. <laughs> Can't see anything. <laughs> no. Uh, cool. Guyon, I felt like you were quite negative this episode. Is that fair? It's because you're hungover. Yeah, I'm not negative, no. Maybe you hated everything I said. Yes. You didn't like his skill. Oh. I just, I want, how can I make you happy? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm good. All right. Well, do you have uh, any uplifting parting words for us? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's actually very, it looked good before, but now it makes no sense compared to what you just said. Okay. The most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they can be great in whatever they want to do. <laughs> Where the <laughs> fuck did you find this? Isn't this a good one? <laughs> is this is that the most important thing? Can you imagine? Can you envision an entire globe where that's <laughs> all anyone does? That's not good. That sounds yeah, that's true. But I mean, Kobe Bryant said it, so it must be true. That's true. It must be true. Shout out. <laughs> uh, oh, and be kind. Hey, be kind. Uh, Moonro, do you have any? Don't forget to switch your mic off when you're in a Zoom meeting. That's my advice. Mm, that's very good advice. It's very topical in today's day and age, right? Mm, yeah. The Zoom, yeah. Zoom era. Uh. Zoomers. <laughs> oh, we're Zoomers. Oh, they took on a new nice. meeting. Uh, yeah, send us shit. Uh, keep commenting on erectile peeing and, and bathroom men. Oh, we d I did a like a, a a poll on our Instagram when we first asked that question, and most people. It was interesting. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last time. Probably not. Uh, a bunch of people answered, and it was like roughly a fifty-fifty split on yeses and nos. The yes kind of yes camp kind of won out on whether okay. it was possible or not. But interesting little fact. Most of the people that said yes were female, and most of the people that said no were male. Interesting. So it was a bunch of women saying, yeah, you can pee with an erection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so make of that what you will. Uh, and once you're done making of that what you will, then keep on trucking. Goodbye, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, fuck economics. <laughs> <laughs> Such an asshole. <laughs> You're feeling low In need of a bro There's one thing That makes your heart start to glow Calling Monroe Calling Monroe Calling Monroe